I heard about this, okay, so it was this couple, and they'd be dating for, like, a few months, and this girl was crazy, and, like, what was it? I think she, like, she didn't, like, set Burger Fi on fire. Welcome to episode three of Burger Find, a podcast chronicling in real time our investigation into the mysterious closing of the Ann Arbor location of the restaurant Burger Fi. I'm your host, Madeline Godin. And I'm Zach Gelfan. What you just heard is one of the many, many tips we've received since our last episode. After further investigation into this individual story, we uncovered that the business in question was actually Bubble Island, not Burger Fi. We know it's been a couple weeks since episode two, but so much has happened since then. To start, we hit the media circuit. Hey there, you're listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. And today we have some special guests, Madeline and Zach from the podcast Burger Find. Yeah, so Burger Find is an investigative podcast that Zach and I started. Um, we're just looking for answers, any kind of indication as to what happened. Yeah, um, a lot of people, um, and no one really knows what happened, uh, and that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And then, word of the podcast spread like wildfire. Suddenly, we were getting hundreds of listeners a day, what one might call a legion of fans. And so many of these new listeners started submitting tips, an overwhelming number of them. Some of the tips, like the one that you heard at the beginning of this episode, were just verifiably false. Others, as you'll hear later, brought us ever closer to uncovering the truth. But either way, we found ourselves looking at a massive map of new threads and possibilities. With so much on the table, we even had to delay episode three. Yeah, that's sort of why we had originally intended to have episode three done for today and just, you know, in the past 24 hours got too much material that's steering us in a different direction that we felt like it would be unfair to our audience if we didn't address it. Yeah, um, we actually had episode three. Uh, um, uh, yeah, there's a there's a there's a, a lot of stuff that's floating around right now that we're trying to piece together in a coherent way. Our original thought had been that BurgerFi Corporate would have all the answers. We were even able to figure out which students might have been connected to the national organization. But we quickly realized that none of that mattered. We were focusing on the franchisee when we should have been focusing on the franchisor. Or maybe it's the other way around. I, I think the franchisor is BurgerFi. I, I, don't, I still have no idea what those terms mean. What we're trying to say is, it became apparent that the closure had little or nothing to do with BurgerFi corporate. All signs pointed toward high sales and earnings, and we've already mentioned that corporate was responding to Yelp reviews just days before the store was shuttered. If anything, corporate was just as out of the loop as everyone else. So by spending so much energy looking into BurgerFi corporate, instead of focusing on the Ann Arbor location specifically, we were straying further and further away from what we originally set out to do. We realized we were betraying ourselves and our fans. What started out as a local investigation quickly spiraled into an unfocused mess. We needed to dial in on the Ann Arbor location. This episode, and Burger Find as a whole, is brought to you in large part by Ann Arbor's hottest diner, Frank's Restaurant. If you're looking to save money and eat enough delicious food to explode, Frank's is the place for you. Located directly under the Maynard Street parking garage, this vintage diner has everything. Framed pictures of the Three Stooges, a clock that hasn't worked since the mid-70s, and a closing time of 3 p.m. sharp. Frank's has effectively catered most of our writing meetings. So here's a clip of us sitting in a booth, 
trying to decide a name for the show. We should do something off of Mystery Squad. Mystery Machine. We are like, we're investigating a mystery. We're detectives detecting the... The Michigan Meat Mystery. Michigan also sounds like a <laughs> Yeah, you gotta get meat out of it. <laughs> I love pranks. <laughs> Um, now back to the show. Now for act two of our program. If you were with us last time, you probably know that the Ann Arbor location was owned by a Russian entrepreneur named Evgeny who lives in Florida. Our producer Sam feared that this was an international conspiracy, so he went to the next most logical source. So I am currently looking through Hillary Clinton's emails. Uh, a couple of key observations. She does not talk about hamburgers that much, um, but most of the time it's referring to the last name burger. But I did find one email that was very interesting from May 29th, 2012, and uh, she received this from Jake Sullivan, who was one of her senior policymaking policymakers and advisors, and he talks about a quote-unquote burger summit between Obama and Medvedev. And if I look up Dmitry Medvedev, I find out that he is the prime minister of Russia who took office in May of 2012. So if this is possible, we need to... We were reminded yet again that there was nothing in the emails. Meanwhile, a few audience tips actually got us a lot closer to the truth. A UM student named Nathan, whose last name we have redacted for privacy but unfortunately is not Fielder, dropped a bombshell. He wrote, Hey, I asked my friend what happened and this is what he said. Quote, They were actually making a ton of money, but the guy who owned it only purchased it to get his green card, parentheses, if you spend more than $1 million on a business, you get it, end parentheses. So once that processed, he stopped caring and didn't pay rent for the space, so they forced the restaurant out. Hope that helps. Nathan. This was further evidence that the closure had nothing to do with sales, and it even offered a plausible alternative explanation. But one anonymous source wasn't enough. We needed to corroborate. While we were trying to figure out next steps, a former BurgerFi employee named Chris slid into my Facebook DMs with a tip that blew the investigation wide open. The next day, Madeline met up with him at Espresso Royale. I was sick at home watching the Academy Award-nominated film Boss Baby, so I'll let her take it from here. Chris used to work as a bartender at BurgerFi, and his account of the events of the closing brought our investigation even closer to the truth. How much time did they give you before, like, between when you knew and when it closed? Uh, I knew when it was closed, so my buddy was closing the night before. I say it was a Wednesday night. Yeah. So he closed. He closed down the restaurant at midnight or whatever it was, and then called me the next morning at like 8 a.m. You know, he sent me a text message and said, "Call me as soon as you can." Yeah. Very early, which is strange to get from a coworker. So I called him right away, and he goes, "Yeah, they're closed. We don't really know what happened." And uh, so that was the first you'd heard of. Yeah, I had to work that night. They called me and said. Burger Fi won't be open today or ever again, basically. Wow, that is wild. <laughs> yeah, they did that to everyone that worked there, actually. 
So I mean, no, none of the employees knew I had insurance. The story I got was that the um, there was a main manager of the place. Mm -hmm. I forget his name, and he had an idea because they hadn't been paying the rent there. So they weren't paying the rent, and that made him a guy that owned the place, the Russian guy you referred yeah, yeah. to. He was the one paying the rent, I think, and I think he had stopped paying the rent. Really, the reason it closed is something to do with him. That's what, That's sort of where things seem to be narrowing to. Yeah. The story I got was basically that the Russian guy who owned it mm -hmm. uh, was very wealthy, and he sort of just lost interest. They were starting to invest in the future. Yeah. Like, they had no idea they were going to be closing very soon. Um, we, I don't know if you're familiar with the bar that was there. Yeah. That was pretty much empty, like, four days of the week. Fridays and Saturdays we were full, and we were trying to come up with ways. And they had just a few days uh, set aside money for us to try to market. Okay. I think it wasn't substantial. It was like $100 a week maybe okay. for marketing. But, I mean, that just shows how caught off guard everybody was. Yeah, and we so were that was starting to invest in the, the future. That was maybe a week or so before the close. We had a meeting to discuss, like, what we could actually do to get it busier on those days. So, anyways, we closed that one day, like, four days after we closed. I want to say they closed on, like, a Wednesday or Thursday. I got a phone call on Sunday from my boss and said, do you want any of this stuff at the bar? Because, obviously, it's a lot loaded yeah. bar. Beer, liquor, wine, everything like that. He goes, just come over and get whatever you can. Wow. So I filled my car with... <laughs> the had, basically. Awesome. And then I went to a friend's party that night, and I was a pretty popular guy. Yeah. I still have a lot of stuff from that, random signs and stuff. So they just, you know, like, cleared everything. But then the store, like, you know, there still seem to be the tables and chairs and stuff. It doesn't seem like... Um, it had to do with the investment they had. Okay. Um, I have no idea how this works, but it was basically... Whoever can move into that place next, which I still don't think they even found anybody. Yeah, but whoever does can get it as is, which means it's already got tables and chairs and things, lights, things like that okay. that you would have to put a lot of money into if you were to buy it empty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There was something you said on the podcast about a guy and a frat whose dad owned it. Yeah. You ever You couldn't that? find him. He. I don't think know. that's true. Yeah. I feel like I would know Everything I knew about ownership and like higher ups was that they were very disconnected from Ann Arbor uh, in general. My conversation with Chris confirmed some things that we'd been thinking about. The roots of this issue were at the local level, and his assessment of the situation that Evgeny hadn't been paying rent checks out with both the email tip and Zach's conversation with Randy. Ann Arbor Burgerfy was making enough money to stay in business. But that money wasn't going to the right place. This episode of Burger Find was produced by Zachary Gelfand, Madeline Godin, Robert Joseph, Dominic Polzinelli, Ryan Cox, and Sam Blunt. Written by Zachary Gelfand, Robert Joseph, and Madeline Godin. Music by Zachary Gelfand and Robert Joseph. Special thanks to Robert Lee and Robert Yoon from WCBN for their support. If you have any additional information regarding the closure of BurgerFi, please send us an email at burgerfind at umich.edu 
That's B-U-R-G-E-R-F-I-N-D at umich.edu. Although you probably know how to spell Burger Find because you're listening to the podcast. You can also tweet at us at BurgerFind underscore pod. Next time, all the pieces finally come together.